Hey friends, this is Caitlin, and I'm so grateful you've decided to join me on The Comeback Couch. So kick off your shoes, put up your feet, and get comfortable with real stories that have shaped real people. You'll hear from doctors, lawyers, mechanics, and moms who shared their experiences of hope, healing, and holding on when it would have been so much easier to give up. Occasionally, you'll hear a story, a teaching, or a quick thought from me. I hope you'll curl up with a cup of coffee and stay a while as we sit on the comeback couch and learn a little more about life and the hope we can find when we look close enough. Hey guys, welcome to season two of the comeback couch. Um, It's only fitting that we would kick off season two with the one and only Jess Connolly, one of my very favorite people. She is an author, a speaker, a coach, a podcast host. She is a pastor's wife, a mom, a friend, a sister, a daughter, and she runs an incredible company called Go and Tell Gals. And honestly, I have her to thank for the idea for the comeback couch. So listen, Hey, that idea was in you though. You had it. You had it. It was, but you, you dug it out of me. The the idea (laughs) came to be um, in Jess's office in Charleston in September. That feels like a lifetime ago and yesterday at the same time. But um, yeah. Yeah. So I really do. I have you to thank because that coaching session was Mm. Um, it really was life-changing. I don't say that lightly and it changed my ministry and my mindset and you're an amazing coach. So listen, it was my honor and this is a joy. It feels so full circle. It feels such a, like, I know it really does to be on the compact couch figuratively. Yes, I know. (laughs) I'm like, I wish you were really on the comeback couch with me, but (laughs) (laughs) yes, yes. Um, and it's cool that we are talking about something that really does relate to all of that today. Um, We're going to talk about your comeback from wild defeat to wild calling. And I would love to just jump right in and just tell us like what that means to you to go from wild defeat to wild calling. You know, I think, I think it's probably my favorite part of my story that I don't get to talk about as much because a lot of people you know, as it goes, they see my present day, they see mm-hmm. like what, what, you know, 2023 looks like, and it's great. And I'm, I'm, you know, from the outside, sometimes it doesn't feel so great on the inside, but leading this business <laughs> and I'm teaching and I'm coaching and I'm pastoring and I'm, and it's really full and it, you know, it feels like there's a lot of fruit, but for me, it, it, it actually all started in an, a season of just extreme defeat. Um, and so I, I don't even really regret that season because I know that what God did in me in that time is, is absolutely still what I'm ministering out of. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think for me, like, what does it mean to go from wild def- defeat to calling? I, I think it is our story. It is the story mm-hmm. of those who follow Jesus because the story really should never be calling out of our strength. Like it should never be this like, Oh, you're so great. So you can do great things. Um, but rather one of reliance and dependence on God. Um, and, and that's what it looks like for me for sure. Okay. So I would love to know, and if you don't want to share like specifics of the first part, that's fine, but maybe some words that were spoken over you of defeat 
and how words of life spoken over you helped you come back from that defeat. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind sharing any of the specifics. Um, it's so interesting. <laughs> so um, I met Jesus when I was 15 and the day I became a believer, I remember waking up the next day and feeling just full of calling and purpose. And um, I'll never forget. I have this mind's eye picture of myself on my bedroom, um, on my bed in high school, just the day after I met Jesus, just pouring through the Bible. I just, I wanted to know the Bible. I wanted other people to know the Bible. I wanted other people to know this new hope I had and healing and all the things. And um, I lived out of that kind of sense of purpose for a few years. I met my husband really soon after I became a believer. The two of us kind of knew like we're, we are in this, we want to change the world. We want to do kingdom stuff. And um, and that's like the kind of vigor and abundance that I lived out of for a few years. And then uh, really what I would say was um, like a series of really interesting events um, that led to me walking in some wild defeat. Some of them were really small and some of them were really small and would seem insignificant. Actually, I was talking to my husband the other night about this. Um, and I was just telling him like a, a big part of that story is one time at a church I was in, at in my early twenties, um, and we were going to put on a women's conference and I felt so called to women's ministry and I was so excited about it. And I asked if I could help. And there were a bunch of other women my age helping and they all knew, you know, that I was so excited about ministry and they were like, we really don't need you. Like, we don't, we don't, there's really not mm. any reason for you to be there. We don't like, we don't need you in this. And I, um, that's so small, like that's such a small an insignificant thing, but I would say that was like one pebble that started this like massive, you know, stone of defeat rolling in my life. Um, so that happened and I subtly and overtly kind of just started picking up messages of like shame and defeat about myself, about who I was, that maybe like I was not the ministry girl. Um, maybe that I was not serious enough. Um, maybe that I was not smart enough to be like, to be a ministry mm. girl, to be someone who would teach or talk about God. And um, then in that season, my husband and I happened to move to be a part of a church that had a very toxic and very unhealthy view of women in the kingdom and women in the church. And so then those messages got overt. Um, they yeah. were no longer subtle. And instead there was this like, very large banner. If you wanted to use some God-given gifts, that was sinful and it was prideful and you were making mm. much of yourself and like, how dare you? Um, and so I would not even, I did not even rebel against that. I did not wait for anybody to tell me those things about me. I just was like, done. I'm out. Great. I won't do that anymore. Um, and, and mixed in with that really, and I use toxic um, in a really intentional way. Cause I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we call like, especially church cultures, like that's toxic. And sometimes it's just human. Um, but this was overtly toxic. Um, and if a fun little asterisk is, um, this, this church's culture was so toxic. They made a whole podcast about it. So some people are going to already know what I'm talking about, but, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, but the other kind of overt message that was really overtly, again, just like preached to us is that women should not work. They should not have any kind of vocational responsibility. Wow. It would be sinful for them to bring in income. Um, and that, that was not only sinful of a wife, but that would be sinful of a husband. And so I pulled back even further and, and just said, mm. like, forget about it. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, 
done. I won't do that. Um, I had three young kids at the time. I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. Um, and on top of all of that, I was also struggling with extreme postpartum depression mm-hmm. in you know, 20, 2008, 2009, when our conversations about mental health were non-existent. Like women, if you had postpartum yeah. depression, you were the, you are a problem. You know, you are, mm-hmm. you are a mess. Um, no one was talking to me about hormones or about like the biology of depression or about what was going on with serotonin in my head. And so I had these different factors. I had these like specific things that were spoken over me about like not being good enough, not being smart enough, not being the right one. Then I had these kind of overt messages about women and what women should do or could do or couldn't do. And then I had this spiritual heaviness on me um, that, that, that for me came in the form of depression of just like, yeah, I'm out. Um, and so this was all in my mid to late twenties. Um, and I, I love actually, again, I just told this story last week and it's still, still one of my favorite stories to tell. So in this whole season, I had been, um, a stay at home mom and, um, I loved, I loved being a stay at home mom ish. I did, but I, but I also had this, um, you know, this part of my soul that was made for, for work and for helping other people and serving other people. And it was, and it was like dead, you know? So I also felt kind of like, what's wrong with me? Like, what's my problem? And, um, I also had really young kids. I had three-year-old, a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, anyhow, in this season, March, 2011, my daughter, um, had a grand mal seizure. She woke up one morning um, Mm. and didn't wake up essentially. And just had this like horrific grand mal seizure. And we had to take her into the hospital. Um, and this for me is where the snap came from, uh, from the wild defeat. What happened is I was in the emergency room. My daughter was having seizures. They couldn't get the seizures to stop. And my mom and my older sister had driven from Charleston to where we were living at the time in Columbia. They had driven just two hours straight, just gotten out of bed and come to help us. And when they came into the emergency room, we were in like a private emergency room triage room. And my daughter was laying in the bed and she was literally still seizing, just kind of like legs twitching. They were giving her all these kind of medications to get her seizing to stop. And my mom and my sister had brought me a bra because I'd left the house without a bra on. And they had brought me a toothbrush <laughs> because I was, a, I had to brush my teeth because this had all happened early in the morning. My mom came over to me at the sink and I was brushing my teeth. And um, she said, just what med- medicines have they put her on? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what medicines they've given her. And she said, okay, what have, what have they done? What are they trying to do? And I was like, I don't know, something to stop the seizures. I'm not sure. And she said, okay, when was the last time they gave her medicine? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. And my mom like pulled my shoulders to face me because I was like brushing my teeth and just kind of whatever. And she turned me around and she said, Jess, you have to fight. You have got mm. to fight. And she said, you've got to ask questions and you need to wake up. You need to fight. And um, uh, that that was it for me. About three weeks later, I started my first small business, um, making scripture prints inspired by the verses that I was praying for my daughter. And then I started making scripture prints about depression Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was using my husband's seminary laptop and I was getting these prints printed at Kinko's and selling them on Etsy. And I had no idea what I was doing, but God just blew on it. 
And um, by the end of that year, we had done $40,000 in sales. By the end of the next year, we had done $200,000 in sales. By the end of the next year, we had done $400,000 in sales. And all that time, God was also bringing all these opportunities. And I had publishers coming to me saying, like, do you want to write books? Um, and then I had people asking me, like, you want to come teach the Bible? Um, and I, all of that, all of that kind of worldly fruit was what I don't want to make it sound tidy because for the first few years I fought it. Like everything in my nature yeah. felt like this is wrong. <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this. I'm, I'm too much. I'm not, this enough. is a sin. Like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. This is wrong. Um, and I, I, as you can imagine, I still had people in my life telling me like, what do you, who do you think you are? What are you doing? Um, people I respected and loved and that I was learning from. And so what happened during that time? So this is the, the core answer for me. What took me from like wild defeat to wild calling is I got very accustomed to God's voice and God's approval and God's invitation, not just his allowance and not just his permission, but his invitation. Um, and I learned to look for that and listen to that and trust that more than I trusted people. And, um, mm. And all of a sudden I knew calling, you know? And so that's the story of go and tell gals. We, um, the, the name go and tell gals is based on John 20, where after his death and resurrection, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb to prepare Jesus's body and she sees him, but she doesn't know it's him. Um, and she's crying and she says, you know, they've taken him away. They've taken away my Lord. And he calls her name. He says, Mary. And she says, Rabboni, like she, it's him. And it like all mm -hmm. comes in to, to place. And he says to her, go and tell, go and tell the brothers, like go and tell the boys that I'm up. And, um, and that's to me what calling means. It, it's really nothing mysterious. It's just proximity and obedience, being close enough to God to hear his voice and recognize it and obeying what he tells you to do. And I relate so much to Mary because why that story is so interesting to me is number one, she, you know, we, we find out earlier in scripture that Mary was a disciple of Jesus and a follower of Jesus and a supporter of his ministry because he had healed her. He had exercised demons from her. Um, so there was this intense weakness that led to her devotion. Um, but mm. on top of that, the other reason why I relate so much to Mary's story is because he commissions her. Theologians call her the apostle to the apostles. And he commissions her to go and tell. And what we see in scripture is actually nobody believes her. The disciples think she's crazy. She and the other women go to tell the disciples and they're like, y'all are nuts. He, he died. <laughs> and so I love <laughs> that what we see in Mary's story is like defeat to obedience, but the obedience was never tied to fruit. Nobody believed her. It didn't work for all intents and purposes, mm. but she still got to obey and she still got to live out this beautiful calling, you know, and we're still talking about her, which is wild. Oh, that is so many, so good on so many levels. I have like, well, I have questions I was about to ask you and then I'm like, oh, that was the answer to that. But <laughs> just even thinking of that, that intense weakness led to devotion. I think that people need to hear that. People who are listening, who feel so disqualified for whatever yeah. their weakness is, like she could have very well felt disqualified for being demon possessed. And like, exactly. Thank you for healing me, but I'm going to go sit in a corner and just exactly. be quiet the rest of my life. 
And I think that that's how people live. Like, yeah, you healed me from that addiction. You healed me from that lifestyle, but I just need to go live a quiet life. And Mm -hmm. no, you need to go and tell you need to go. Even if they don't believe you, that is so powerful because I think that's where, unfortunately, a lot of women in the church do experience those kinds of like words of death or false teachings that have taught them like, you just need to stop. Even, even in a life-giving church where there are women leading, there are still some women who have been told or have been made to feel like, yeah, but it's not you. So like, yeah, you just go like serve in your little way and like, don't be too loud because these three or four women have it all handled. And for them to tell you they didn't need you. Like, I think that that's a feeling so many women can relate to of like, well, I'm not even going to volunteer to lead the group because they don't need me. They've got the same 10 people do everything. Yeah. And And you know what else, like maybe is an important thing for a lot of women to hear right now in this conversation is those, those little statements or those little dismissals, they can be wrong. Yeah. Those, those women who are like, we don't need you here, or we've got this, or I don't know if this is what God has for you. Somebody needs to hear. They can be wrong. They can, that is, it is not always from the Lord. Like I've had some things spoken over me that if I took them to be like, okay, that was from God. I mean, it should have shut me down. Like it should have stopped me dead in my tracks. And it, it would have had I not. Yeah had a conversation with a mentor and said, I mean, like you just said, I know God's voice. I'm like, that is, he would never say that to me. And I don't know if she thought she was doing the Lord's work, but it was was not the Lord's work. Yeah. And, and usually I think, I think two things, number one, we can ask like, where could this be coming from? And not that I don't want to get to a place where I like make a lot of assumptions about people's motives, Yeah, but I do think it can help to remember like the enemy is the enemy. People are not the enemy. People who have spoken words against us in our life. They are not the enemy, but where could this be coming from? Could it be their own defeat? Could it be their own fear? Could it be their own rejection? Could it be their own control? Could it actually not have anything to do with me? Number one. And then I think the other thing that is really helpful to ask is does my father sound like this? Mm-hmm. Does my father yes. sound like this? You know, a lot of what came to me, those kind of more overt messages in my first few years of ministry, a lot of the words spoken to me or over me or about me were fear. Like, what is this going to do to your family? And yep. what what's going to happen if this blows up? And are you going to whatever, blah, 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 blah. And I, I realized like, I, w- I want to be cautious and I want to be humble and I want to be wise, but this is a lot of fear, you know? Yes. And I don't, my God doesn't, I, I really actually don't think God is up there like, Oh, I'm nervous about what. Be careful. Yeah. Is she going to mess <laughs> it all up? Like I actually don't think he's like, Oh, I gave her that gift, but she might get crazy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think he sounds like that. No. So, yeah. Oof. Yeah. The, um, first like self-published devotional I wrote is called not from God. And that is like exactly why I wrote it because it's like the, the chapters in there are, are about things that like, 
They will never, if, if this is said to you, if this happens to you, if you feel this, it's never from God. Like so good. You can study scripture to know that like, yeah, he's not nervous about your calling. That's so good. He's really not yeah. like, oh yeah, I gave them this gift, but I'm a little worried about how they're going to use it. Like, no, we'll he, see. Yeah. Yeah. He's equipping you and he's calling you and like, you can trust him. He'll, I mean, he'll shut you up if he needs to shut you up. Yeah. And otherwise like you don't have that is, I'm really glad you said that because I think someone Mm -hmm. does need to hear that something that someone said to you, however long ago might not have been true. Yeah. And, and we are fighting the enemy, not flesh and blood. Yeah. And in saying that I thought of this question and I'm like, I'm just like, this is a really deep theological question. This is one of those things that like sends my brain spinning, but I was just thinking about how- It probably sends mine spinning too then. (laughs) Well, we may just like pose the question. Everyone can think about it. But when I was listening to you talk about like the way your defeat started, it's just funny to me because all the things said against you or about you- it's exactly what you do the opposite of you now tell women like we need you and you need to do this. And you are called to like work and provide for your family and use your gifts. Like, so it's like everything you really did, you flipped it. And so obviously Mm. we know God is all knowing and he knew Mm -hmm. that you were going to be here even when you were there. But do you think, I mean, the de- I know the enemy is not all knowing, but do you think he knows things like that and tries to stop us at point A so that we never get to point B? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it kind of like digs the knife deeper into the like idea of a comeback story because He's doing everything to stop you from your comeback. He did everything he could to like shut you up and keep you from what you do now for all these women and telling them the truth about what God tells them to do. Absolutely. And the other thing is, I think, um, I think it's really helpful too to know for you, what are the, what are the, what are those messages that would take you out? I think two things are helpful. I think number one, knowing what, what are the, the, those messages or those words or those lies from him that are going to take you out? And then, um, number two, like, what are, what are the truths that you need to kind of constantly be writing back into your life? You know, because of that, I think it's actually really helpful. And, and it really Mm -hmm. like kicks the enemy in the teeth to just say like, I, I, you're not going to surprise me out of nowhere. And, Maybe that's like a helpful also thing to think. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Um, I've been noticing that I get like a little frustrated with the way that we as believers talk about spiritual warfare. And Mm -hmm. we really talk, we really are so scared of it. Like we're just terrified of spiritual warfare. But everything in scripture tells us that we have authority over it. Yep. And that like, even if the enemy like comes for some, some, worldly parts of our life like we we actually still win like we actually still knows know who wins 
you know, and we, second Corinthians 10, we demolish every stronghold and we tear down every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And um, so I think a lot of times, actually, I just talked to a woman yesterday. I was just coaching a woman yesterday who said, um, you know, I know I, I want to step out into this calling, but I just know the spiritual warfare is going to be so heavy and the enemy's just going to come for me. And I was like, let's rewrite that sentence right now, because absolutely he's going to come for you, but he's nothing but a stinking little snake. So like, yeah, he's a liar. He can't win. <laughs> he cannot win. So you can actually perceive what the attacks are going to be. Also, you know, he's the prince of the air, but like, um, it, you know, it's always really helpful. Like a lot of times the stuff that the enemy's going to come up with at us with, and this is like wilder, deeper theology that I think is right, that I've been taught, but like, who knows, but everything I've been told says he's the <laughs> prince of the air. So he can hear yeah. what we speak and what other people speak. He can't hear what the Lord downloads us or what we think. So a That's lot right. of times he's going to come at you with things you're saying and things other people are saying mm. to you and you get to rewrite it. You get to say like, okay, in the past I've said like, oh, I'm so extra or, oh, I'm not, I'm not smart enough, yeah. or, oh, I'm not enough. or, oh, my father isn't going to do good for me. Like stop putting that into the air. Stop giving him ammo, first of all. And second of all, like put a new narrative out, you know? Um, yeah. Anyways, that's my soapbox. Warfare. Well, and it's, it really does remind us that like, I've really never thought about it like that. Like the words I'm saying about myself. That's what he's using. I'm giving him yeah. the ammo. Like, yeah. Like I remember us talking about what I was going to call this podcast. And I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do a podcast called like five minutes late or like 15 minutes late. Oh, yes, I remember late. this too. And you like didn't even blink and you were like, you're absolutely not calling it that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, and you were like, you're not speaking. You're not a mess. Like you're not always no. late. You're no. And I was like, oh, you're so right. But like we do, which is like, yeah. Oh, I'm just, just a wreck. Like I'm just always. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, like I, I still do it and I try not to, but it's like, Same. I'm going to beat someone else to the punch. Like, yeah, because I, my very least favorite thing for people to say is like, get here when you can. I'm always like, I got here when I could. So please, <laughs> God. I'm like anyone listening to this that said that to me, it's fine. But like, I'm also instead I'll walk in the door and I'm like, oh, I'm just rolling it like 10 minutes late, you know, whatever. But that goes deeper and deeper in my life where I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. I can't do that because of this. And those are the things that the enemy is taking and spitting back at me. And so, oh, if you are listening to this and you're talking bad about yourself, don't just don't give him a mammo. Stop giving him a mammo. Like stop making agreements with him. You know, my, my other big one is when people say like, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Whenever somebody wants to like, are you something truthful or helpful or good? They're like, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm like, who decided we wanted to advocate for the enemy of our soul? I don't want to advocate for the devil. Yeah. Why why do we say that? Yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to play devil's advocate. No, sir. (laughs) No, it's like, we need to change it to like the angel's advocate. It's like my grandmother will not call them deviled eggs. She says they're angel eggs. makes my day. That's so cute. I love it. Such so a good. Southern like Christian. She's like, I love we will it. not call those deviled eggs. <laughs> hey guys, this is Caitlin popping in for just a second to tell you about sponsor Harp and Timbrel. They are a super cool Alabama based company ran by a husband and wife team. They specialize in custom products to celebrate all of life's special moments. From baby hospital signs to larger signs for rooms and nurseries and even milestone cards, 
and little ornaments. I had one on my Christmas tree this year. They create each design to fit your unique need. And they are offering an exclusive discount to listeners of the Comeback Couch. That's you. You can get 15% off your first order with code COMEBACK15. That's C-O-M-E-B-A-C-K-1-5. You can go to harpandtimbrel.com and their Etsy shop. You can even join their newsletter for additional discounts and promotions. Okay, so another thing I wanted to ask you about, and then you told the story about your daughter, Glory, which, Mm -hmm. praise God, she is well and thriving, and you guys just went to the Taylor Swift concert, and it looked amazing. We did. We did. I'm going next month, so I was like stalking y'all for like, oh my goodness, but I appreciated that you kept it a secret. I did. I mean, you can see the whole thing on the internet, but I'm like, I didn't need to be anybody. Spoiler alert, you know? No, I refuse to watch any of it because I'm like, I want to be shocked and I want to scream and do all the things. I love it. Um, It's going to be interesting being eight and a half months pregnant at the Taylor Swift concert. So I'm sure um, my friends that I'm going with, they're like, I mean, I guess if you go into labor, like maybe you'll get to meet her. (laughs) That's hilarious. That would be a great story, but yeah. Great story. Yeah. But I, I do like giving people a heads up who are going and I like to say like it, you know, you do, you just do want to be nourished. You want to have enough. Food. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, it is a marathon from what I've heard. It's, it's a marathon. Long... Yes. I'm it's glad you, I'm like, I'm going to have to do a lot of sitting yeah. and a you lot of should. hydrating. You should do a lot of sitting and a lot of hydrating, but then if you're hydrating, you're going to be really want to intention, be intentional about your pee breaks. You know what I'm saying? See? Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's just going to be. Yeah. Or wear a diaper. Do whatever's best for you. You know, maybe that's the situation for that. Just put on one know. of those postpartum diapers and be like, listen, no one judge me. It just is what it is. <laughs> but anyway, it. talking about glory and like, I yeah. knew that, but I had never heard like that full story. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard you talk a lot lately about how like something you really want to do for women is help them live wide awake. And mm-hmm. you talk a lot about the verse, wake up, oh sleeper. Is that yeah. where, like when that started? Hmm. That's a really great question. Um, I hadn't traced it back to that, but when you said like that, she said, wake up. I was like, that's it. I was like, that's where it started. (laughs) So interesting. I hadn't traced it to that, but that is it for sure. Yeah. 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 I just started talking about the like living fully awake thing because I just started doing the living fully awake thing, whatever this is, I'm trying to figure it out, but yeah. Um, I've been just asking the Lord, like, what am I doing online? How, what, what do you mm-hmm. really need from me? And that's the phrase that keeps coming to me is that I'm like, I really just want them to live fully awake. I want them to live fully awake in their relationships, calling and their bodies and in their spiritual lives. Um, but yeah, that was it for me for sure. That was the shake yeah. it took, um, yeah. for me to wake up. Yeah. Wake up and fight. Yeah. And yeah. we all have, I think we can all trace our lives like back to there, there's a moment like that. And maybe yeah, you're listening and you're waiting for that wake up moment. And yeah, I guess I just want to say like, it's, it's coming where it has come. Like God's yeah. not going to let you stay asleep. He's going to wake yeah. you up. Um, yeah. So what, and don't, it advi- doesn't need to be so crazy spiritual. Like this no. could be it. This could be it. If you're listening, this could be you're it. like, yes. I feel asleep. Great. Wake up in Jesus. Name. Wake up. Yeah. literally this could be it. 
And I hope yeah. it is. I mean, I hope that someone listening yeah. is like, that woke me up and I need to like yeah. fully live wide awake. Okay. Yeah. So what advice do you have for the person who is like in the absolute trenches of defeat? Like they are, they do not see a way out. They do not see. Yeah. They're like, that's so great that God called you and yeah. and you are doing all this amazing stuff, but I don't think that's ever going to happen for me. Yeah. I mean, Number one, I would say, again, going back to what we've already been saying, I'd be very careful how you talk about yourself and how you talk about your life. Mm-hmm. Um, do not come into agreement with what the enemy would like for you to believe. And you know this about me, Caitlin, like I'm a massive proponent of speaking life. And mm-hmm. um, and this is the one reason, because even the idea of living fully awake and like moving from defeated to, to living called. Um, so much of this starts in the cellular level at what we say and what I would even, even kind of even going further back into what I would say to that woman, I would say like, you are going to have to live awake and live free and live victorious before you feel any of those things. If you are waiting to feel awake and feel free and feel victorious, that day actually might not come. And in truth, this is a spiritual principle. Like we, we often like the Israelites, we got to put our feet in the water before it starts to part. Yes. You have to live mm. free and live victorious and live awake before you feel it. But one of the most cellular ways we can do that. If somebody's like, I don't even know what that means. Change how you speak immediately. And, and this podcast is such a great example. Like start, instead of saying like, I'm in a defeated season, say I'm going to come back season. You know, yes, um, yes. Say like my God, my God is the father of renewal and renovation and revival mm. and healing and hope. So it may look like I'm pressed and crushed and abandoned, but I am not. This is actually my comeback. This is actually mm. where my healing starts. This is actually the basis of, of what I'm going to minister out of for the rest of my life. This brokenness, this weakness is where his power is made perfect. Um, And so I will count it all joy. I will rejoice in my sufferings. I will say, thank you, God, for whatever these ailments are. While I still grieve them, I'm not going to pretend like they're not there. I'm going to grieve them and emote with God and feel the sorrow of pain. And also, I'm going to be the loudest one declaring that this is where it gets good. This is where it starts. Um, so I would say like, start with your mouth, start speaking like that. Um, and then start living like that. (laughs) And then the feelings will come later. Oh, I'm, I literally am furiously taking notes. This is like firing me up. I just Mm -hmm. have to tell you this day, like when you text me earlier, I was, I mean, I've had a day like of of defeat. Like I've just been like, yeah it's just been one thing after another. And I was like, okay, Lord, like, yeah. And you're literally saying things that I'm like, and I think that that is really important for someone to hear that you're like, well, you're hosting this podcast. And like, you probably live every day. Like this is your comeback. No, I was like crying at my kitchen counter two hours ago. Like, yeah. But I, but like hearing this and this is like, maybe this whole recording is for me today, like to encourage me, like I need it too. But like, if you're listening and you think, oh, well, they've just got it all together. Like, no, we yeah. are dealing with our own pain yep. and insecurities, but we have to, first of all, get around people that are going to say these things like Jess and 
remind you like, no, you, this is your comeback and this is where it's going to get good. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to share all of that, that you just said, like in quotes, because Mm -hmm. that was really, really, really good. Um, and it, it is the truth that you do have to, I, yeah. I love that. Put your feet in the water before the seat parts. Like yeah. you, you just sometimes have to take, you know, people say like a leap of faith and then he'll catch you whatever, like analogy <laughs> whatever. you want, like just yeah. do, you just have to go for it and decide that you are yeah. in your comeback season. Um, Come on. Okay. So the last question I always ask, and you've really kind of answered this throughout, but also I wish that we could just talk for like three more hours and record it because you just have so much uh, wisdom. It's really, really good. Um, But when you look back, so maybe look back at, you know, your, your season of defeat or the beginning of your story as a human being in general, what makes more sense now that, you know, it gets good and you know how it's playing out Mm -hmm. um, that happened then what, what kind of makes sense now that it's all playing out? Mm, What a great question. I mean, for me, the biggest thing that makes sense is the human disapproval set me up to become reliant on God's invitation and commissioning. And um, again, this is why I told you I love I love getting to talk about this because I think that we fill in the gaps with assumptions about people's story. And I think a lot of people might assume that there were people along the way telling me, you should write books, you should teach, you'd be so good at this. And I like to fill in the blanks and tell you it was the exact opposite. Opposite, you know? yes. It was the pastors and the leaders and the shepherds in my life literally saying, if you write books, like who's going to watch your kids? What is going to happen to your family? And I don't, have you looked at first Timothy? Like, do you really understand what that means? Um, It was actually human disapproval that set me up to be obsessed with God's commissioning and, and how that became such a win for me is that now on my best day at my healthiest human approval, meaning likes or reviews or, um, anything accolades, it does not hit my heart and human disapproval, like people coming for me on the internet or a one-star review on Amazon or finding out somebody said something funky for me at church is just not going to take me out. Um, Mm -hmm. so the praise doesn't get to me and the hate doesn't get to me on my best day. Does it get to me sometimes? Yes. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) But like on my best day at my healthiest, that's not what's going to propel me in ministry. And that's not what's going to take me out either. That is so powerful. Whether you are in some kind of ministry or you're writing or speaking, or you are just living your everyday life at your day job as a mom, as a wife, like that is so important. And I remember having the assumption that like, I sat down across from you and I was like, I don't even want to tell her what people have said about me because how embarrassing that she's probably just been cheered on her whole life. And you immediately like rattled off three or four things someone said to you. And I was like, what? I was like, they did not, not you. Like, but it really, it, it reminded me that like, yeah, this is, it's not like rainbows and butterflies. And then you told me, you're like, Hey, also guess what? Like it gets, it gets worse. Like people come at (laughs) you harder, you know? And you're like, but that's okay. Like you get, and that, and that's what you said. It's like, when you get, closer and closer to God, 
it really doesn't matter. And it really doesn't matter when they compliment you and it won't so that it won't matter when they try to tear you down. And exactly. Gosh, that's so good. Human disapproval set you up for reliance on God. That is, Mm -hmm. that is a beautiful comeback story. And Mm. I'm so grateful for your story and Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for how it's impacted my life and so many other people's. And I just can't thank you enough for doing this today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a gift. This is, this is an important question to keep asking everybody what's what what is the comeback because we need to pull back the curtain so i'm so grateful for your work and for this podcast hey thanks for stopping by and sitting a while on the comeback couch with me you know i'd love to hear from you questions feedback and even requests find me on instagram or facebook at caitlin chapel rogers and hey don't be shy share the show with a friend post it on your social media and tag me and send me your comeback stories. You never know when they might make it on the show.